from Touchstone Pictures. Twas the night before Christmas, but in the land of Halloween, it was decided that this year something new would be seen. Surprised, aren't you? From Tim Burton, the director of Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, comes a motion picture experience unlike any other. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? Rated PG. Coming this month to a theater near you. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my handsome co-host, Tyler Wilson. Good throat clearing. Nice work. Oh, man. What is happening? Gotta get your radio voice on. Oh, it's all the Halloween candy that I scarfed. Uh, yeah, that's totally what it is. Tyler, why don't you uh, talk about what we're going to talk about while I sip on some tea for my little throat? Oh, sure. Well, we're going to talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas today. We're recording it right after Halloween uh, for a reason, which we'll get into uh, when we discuss it more. This tea is very hot. Yeah, it's super also, hot. Also, I said surprise me, but what is this tea? It's like a hazelnut, vanilla, soothing tea. Is it tea. two tea bags of the same yeah. type? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When you hear the word tea bag, do you immediately like, think tea bag? I think of a Jay and Silent Bob uh, rap uh, that... <laughs> That he does Which is in inappropriate. I don't know if it's. I can't remember if it's actually in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or if it's part of the DVD special features. But um, usually, when I hear the term tea bags, I usually just go into that full on thing that I remember from two thousand one. Yeah, um, I don't know if I like that tea. Sorry, it's kind of. You said surprise me. I know. You didn't want caffeine. I guess probably what I meant by surprise me was give me some green tea and some mint. Okay, but you didn't want caffeinated tea. I know, but I probably want caffeinated tea. Well, you can take a break and get some more tea. All right, And guys. we'll do it seamlessly. We'll, like, pause it and we won't, like, it, no one will know. No one will know. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, we are going to talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas. Before we get into that, we are going to do our segment, What You've Been Watching. And let me tell you, people, we have been watching a lot of shit. Have we been watching a lot of shit? You have. Me? By we, I mean, yeah. No, you shit. Like you mean shit just in general, not we've like We've been negative. watching a lot of shit being stuff. A lot of movies. Because okay, I wouldn't necessarily characterize what I've been watching as shit. No, not like dog uh, shit. Well, I like, don't know. That was watching confusing. a lot of shit. That was confusing. Yeah. Well, you good, know. good stuff. Yeah. Well, we didn't... Uh, we're doing this episode because the last thing we did was a Halloween-y episode, but then we had a little bit of a gap. So we've been watching a lot of horror movies in that gap. Yeah. Uh, in you mostly period. have. Yeah. Well, what's the stuff that you listed? I don't have my thing up. Dracula. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I watched uh, Bram Stroker's Stoke Stokers, not Stroker. Stroker. It's the teabag my balls <laughs> singer. Stroker's Dracula. From 92, uh, Gary Oldman as Dracula, uh, Keanu Reeves as uh, the other guy, and Winona Ryder is the actually the actress anthony hopkins played uh, van helsing can't believe you watch this without me this is right this is i would have enjoyed watching that again uh there's a podcast i like that did it for an episode and it got me in the mood to watch it because i don't think i've watched it that many times no and... i have i even seen it yeah we've watched it together maybe okay. years and years ago um Francis Ford Coppola. It's batshit crazy, but um, see, I wanted to... in theaters. When did it come out? Oh, 92, dear. Oh. Yeah, we did not see it in theaters. Not you we and I, We saw anyway. some Dracula movie in theaters. Oh, man. There's been a... I don't know what that would have been, but... It was something. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it is... Listening to that podcast made me kind of want to revisit it because it's... You know, it... It is a genre of horror that I do like that I don't think I appreciated as much maybe when I first saw it or even when we watched it together years ago. And that's that kind of like that gothic horror. We talked about this in our Sleepy Hollow episode about kind of this like time period stuff combined with horror elements is kind mm -hmm. of a, that's a subgenre that I like. I like that kind yeah, of Yeah, I've always liked that. Yeah. So, um, watching it again, I had that appreciation. God, it looks, it's, it's an amazing looking movie. Costumes, production design is great. Uh, Gary Oldman is being <laughs> Gary Oldman to the nth degree in it. Um, I remember, uh, the Keanu Reeves thing. The Keanu Reeves thing is kind of a, it's like his most reviled performance. And I think See, people, I don't point, remember it. Maybe I haven't seen people it. People point to it as kind of like the, the thing that they I used to say up. when Keanu Reeves, like when people didn't think Keanu Reeves was much of an actor, and since now, see now everybody's changed their opinion on Keanu Reeves, right? Everybody loves him. Um, 
And then you watch this movie and he's trying to do a British accent. And yeah, Ooh, the British yeah. accent's bad. Um, but it's not like, I don't know. Like, he's like, crikey, I'm going to be a vampire. That's Australian. Um, you know, here's the thing. This is what I would say about bad British accents. I don't really give a shit. Like, I don't, like, I know people complain about this all the time when they hear people do accents, American accents, if they're British or British you accents, if they're American. People. I don't think I give a shit anymore. Like, oh, if you're I. You're getting to a point where you just don't care. No, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I don't care if it's an accent. Like, it just doesn't matter to me. Like, whether they're saying it like the, the Queen's. I'm just going to go with it. Like, the Queen's English, I don't, it doesn't what really matter. What if they go me. in and out of their accent? I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. I feel like that's a different different tone than you have struck on the topic. In I the just past. don't care. Like, is he good in the movie? I don't think so. But it, like, <laughs> that's not the reason that like I don't think that that works. You know, so yeah. I love Winona Ryder. Was she good in it? Still? Yeah. You know, it's weird because we were, the last thing we think we watched with Winona Ryder was probably Little Women because we an did a Little Women Stranger Things or Stranger Things, and but with a Little Women being like right during the same yeah. time period and um. I think she got. I think Little Women might be after Dracula was, and I think she's become like even in that small year or two gap. I think she became a better actress. I think she's fine in the movie, but she's got to be directed in a really. It's pretty. Cra- it's just a crazy movie. It's very for like a a, a period uh, like high uh, you know Francis Ford Coppola prestige horror movie. It's just very unusually weird, mm, <laughs> which like is that. great. I mean, yeah. it's got a lot of cool makeup and. Uh, surprising uh, gore and weird sex stuff because it's Dracula. So, you know, eh, it's something. Where'd you watch it on? My Just DVD. Oh, the DVD. <laughs> yeah, the old DVD. In fact, when I popped it open, I had a receipt in there from Pawn One, uh, the pawn oh. shop. I bought it in 2008. <laughs> yeah, there was a time period there where we were, like, going to the pawn shop to get DVDs. All I know, it doesn't it doesn't list out that I what I bought. Yeah. On the receipt, but it was like five items, which was all DVDs. That's all I would ever buy at a pawn shop. And guns, obviously. Right, um, lots of guns. But five. Tools. It was five items, mm-hmm. and the total price was like eight ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cheap. Yeah, they're like a dollar ninety nine, <laughs> and then they'll have like buy four, get one yeah. free. I mean, it was a ridiculous, uh, just, yeah. So, had I watched it since I purchased that DVD? I don't think so, because I, so. I threw that receipt right away when I uh, opened it, but. That's pretty funny. Yeah. 2008. That's all I have to say on that one. Okay. What Dracula. Else? You also watched Red Dragon. Oh, yeah. That was just on Netflix, and okay. you went to bed, and I've seen Red Dragon, maybe because I just watched Anthony Hopkins and Van Helsing, and here you pop on your Netflix, and here's Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal Lecter, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And uh, listen, Silence of the Lambs is probably one of my, if I had to pick 200 favorite movies, it might be in... The 200s, sure. okay. uh, maybe in the 100s, I don't know. I can't keep all that in my mind straight, but I love The Silence of the Lambs. You know, the other installments, uh, lesser. Mm-hmm. But I remember when Red Dragon came out, which was 2002, and that was kind of a big deal for me, because I was like, what, 18? Silence of the Lambs was like my jam, you know, I was like into the mood for that. And Hannibal, that sequel that co- that had come out was like kind of weird and that was speaking of Gary Oldman being weird there's Mm -hmm. another Gary Oldman being a weird movie and it's not at all like Silence of the Lambs whereas Red Dragon is just like we're gonna hire Brett Ratner who is you know as we've learned is not a not a great dude but even back in the 2000s when he was a a popular director it's not exactly like a he's not like a I wouldn't call him like an artist let's just say that he's a very commercial he made Rush Hour movies for God's sake um so it's just this very much like let's play the hits, mm-hmm. and it's weird because it's like Edward Norton who's clearly into the ro- role of Will Graham, and you know he loved you know it's very Edward Norton like I'm digging into this role, I'm investigating the psychology of it, and then Anthony Hopkins is in the movie, but but it's like very clear like they're like ooh we need to get as much Anthony Hopkins as we can in this movie mm-hmm. to the point where like they keep like adding scenes where he goes and talks to him. He's incarcerated the whole movie like he is in Sound Salem's, but in Sound Salem's he's only in like 20 minutes of the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just like, oh, okay, we're going to go back and talk to uh, Hannibal again. All right, well, okay, stop the whole movie dead here and we'll talk to him for a little bit. And it's fine, but I don't know. I probably liked it the least this time just because I'm like, it's been, I've not, it's been a long time since I yeah. was like into it and... 
the Ray Fiennes character is still creepy, but because we kept uh, doing the I am becoming, I am becoming, do you see? Do you see? We've been doing that for years, so now it's just like not anything. Yeah, we're we, just kind of funny. Yeah, this came out in September. I think we saw it together, September. maybe. We definitely saw in the theater. it theater. Yeah, early in our relationship. Yeah. And- yeah. But it's weird because, like, Mary Louise Parker's in it is playing, like, Will Graham's wife, and it's just like, she's, why, why Mary Louise Parker for, like, a two minute role? Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it, like, yeah. but it's in, like, a, again, another five minute role. It's, and it's like, I don't know, it's very weird, it doesn't utilize. And I always keep, cause it, like, the last Hannibal thing I really watched was, and it's still been a few years now, is the Hannibal TV series. And now I just kind of, that's what's in my head, cause that was mm-hmm. so good and so weird and, so all of these characters are just them now a little mm-hmm. bit. Even Anthony Hopkins to a degree, which is, I, I kind of, Anthony Hopkins is Silence of the Lambs. I like that, but like the concept of Hannibal is not married to him anymore to me. Like, yeah. It's it's the whole thing. And like Harvey Keitel is like Will Graham's boss. I'm like, that should be Lawrence Fishburne. And I just am confused about the whole thing. <laughs> it was fine. I watched it. I half watched it. While I was playing a video game. <laughs> oh my god, you're ridiculous. Are you serious? Yeah. God, yeah. you're ridiculous. Um, you also watched some Psycho? Oh yeah, so I got uh, on Amazon, they had a pretty cheap uh, collection of Blu-ray, and I only had the DVD of Psycho. Psycho is one of my... If I had if I had to pick 50 greatest movies oh my of all god, time... Oh you're so ridiculous. I think Psycho would be in the top 50, at least. So it's one of my favorite movies. I, I only had the DVD, so this had a Blu-ray, but also I had... Uh, Psycho 2, 3, and 4. So I never watched those because I never really had an interest in it. But, you know, it was like the same price as like buying one. Oh so, You're so uh, It's a deal, so, you know. It's a deal. There was extra bonus features on the Psycho disc and in these other movies that I'd never seen. So um, watch Psycho. It's, I mean, it's still great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really good, right? But then um, I watched Psycho 2. Uh, and I, I actually I meant to watch more of these before. Uh, talking about all of it, but that's okay. Um, but Psycho 2, I mean, it's not Psycho. It's, it came years later. Mm-hmm. No Alfred Hitchcock, uh, but Anthony Perkins came back, and so did Vera Miles. And it is, like, I mean, it's just, it's not Psycho, right? Right. But if you take that away, I don't know, it's kind of fun. It's got some good performances. There's some twists and turns that I wasn't exactly, like, expecting for, like, a sequel. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate it, and I kind of dug, like, this further exploration of uh, Norman Bates, and it's basically like, well, what if he is able to be reincarcerated, and he's able to be not crazy, and he goes out into the world, and then, of course, he's not totally okay. Mm-hmm. And I like that. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with uh, Psycho 2, and I actually made me really, I was like, hmm, I think I could watch Psycho 3 and 4, because I've heard, like, they're not, you know, it's not Psycho, but they're not terrible. That's another show that was good that we didn't end up finishing. Bates Motel. Bates Motel, we watched at least a couple seasons of, and it was good. And then I think we kind of just heard it through the grapevine that it maybe deteriorated a little bit, and so that just kind of discouraged us, maybe. I don't know no, why. it's just like, if you and I, like, lose momentum, then we're just out. No, but I remember, like, I think hearing that it was like, well, that's good for a while, but maybe not. Once you hear that, it's just like, well, that's not great. You're just like, oh, well, I don't need to finish that. <laughs> you are like that. Yeah, I you wanna... like to finish everything. Yeah, I'll finish it even if it's bad, and then I'll be mad about it. <laughs> I don't finish. I, I rarely finish anything when it comes to TV. Yeah. I don't know. What else did I watch? I made you a list. Uh, Bad Hair. Oh, yeah. So Bad Hair is a new horror movie. It was made by Justin Simeon, who made the film Dear White People, and then he was also pretty involved in the Netflix series of the same name, Dear White People. And I really liked the movie and, of course, have never seen the television show. Um, I think the television show is very similar, just kind of expanded out, um, exploring more characters, mm-hmm. etc. So Bad Hair is this... It's a horror movie, but I would say, like, the horror elements are not uh, scary by any means. It's very campy, and you would know that right from when you hear what the premises is that uh, a black woman who is trying to move up in this uh, music video network, like an MTV-type deal in 1989. Uh, she, she gets a new boss. It's Vanessa Williams doing, like, her Ugly Betty character. Mm-hmm. And she's like, if you want to be on camera, you want to do this, you got to straighten your hair and whatever. And so she decides to go get a weave uh, from Laverne Cox from Orange is New Black, which is, you know, fun. This got a lot of fun little, like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, character actors and people that you like seeing or whatever. And, of course, the the weave, the hair is uh, is like a witch's hair, and it's possessed, and it wants to suck on blood. 
and eventually the blood sucking wants to turn into actual straight up murder. So the movie is about hair that murders people. And so does the hair stay on her, the same person or is it murdering her? No, 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 not murdering her. It's murdering other people. It uses, she, it needs, the hair needs her to like stay alive kind of like a parasite. Yeah. So she's, she doesn't want to have people killed, but it's actually the hair doing the killing. It's not like possessing her to do the killing. Oh yeah. It's the hair itself. The hair itself is attacking people. Well, when you say it like that, yeah, then it it sounds, it looks, it's a very campy movie. It's, it's, it's a horror comedy leaning more into the comedy. It's not, um, listen, I think that it's made, you know, Justin Simmons a man. And I would think that maybe some of the commentary is a little bit off considering that he probably doesn't have a lot of experience personally with like a weave. Oh, and a little mansplaining? No. Is he, is he a black dude? Yeah, but I don't think that okay. and I I appreciate kind of the and I the what what it's about is interesting, right? It's about it's very much at the forefront of this is just like what is beauty when it comes to African American culture mm-hmm. and what that means in the eighties and what that meant for, you know, going up in the world and being I don't know. superficially beautiful, right? I think black men have a lot more have, are pretty familiar if they oh, have no, moms I think they and are. sisters and girlfriends no, and no, no, wives no. and I would say that's absolutely true. They know. But I think that it's also I and listen, I, I, I really like him as a filmmaker, I like the movie in general for kind of what it's going for and ask these questions. And I think that that's interesting. We don't have movies about this topic very much, and I appreciated that. Um, that being said, I wonder <laughs> if it's the same movie if it's made by a woman, at least in terms of, like, what the hair means metaphorically or whatever. Because, like, I keep thinking, like, well, what if she... Like, is there something wrong with if she just want If someone wants to have a weave and if they want to have straight hair... And so, like, I felt like there was a weird rejection of that attitude, which I think is, like, oh, yeah. you know, like, okay, so, yes, like, you don't, some like, people are being forced to do it, like, it's, yeah. oh, you have to forward your career and you have to do that. And I think that that's a very real topic to discuss and a real thing that you have to be addressed. But at the same time, like, it seems like, well, if you want to straighten your hair and you want to have a weave, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when um, I talk with my feminist friends, because mm-hmm. I got so many of them. Okay. And I'm all pro-boob job. Mm. Because if a woman wants to get a boob job, right. she should be able to do whatever the hell she wants with her boobs. So and there's a lot of feminists that are like, no, women shouldn't, like, they, they should just feel good being natural. But, like, that's not the point. The point is, like, if you want to do whatever with your hair that you want to do, fucking do it. You are free to do whatever the hell you want. So, yeah, and I and I, I totally, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. And, and while I think that you could explore the topics that it does explore, I, I feel like it does kind of miss an opportunity to kind of not villainize the actual hair it's weird it's a weird uh combination but i pre- it's 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 a but big in swing our culture we have told right. black women that they are sure. not beautiful with their natural hair. but hey it's a big swing it's got a lot of weird ideas it definitely goes for broke it doesn't always work but you know me yeah. i like it when things are kind of messy and they're a little messy. going for something yeah. that they maybe don't quite reach but it's better than not going for it you yeah. know what i mean a little weird trying for something i like it so like it. that's on hulu you can watch that anywhere anytime if you have hulu mm-hmm. i don't know what else i watch um we watched poltergeist oh yeah which like do we want to save that for a few next year's uh halloween episode i don't know maybe we were initially going to kind of do a full episode on this and then of course time got away from us and then it became like well do we do poltergeist after Halloween? I was like, yes. We and you could. were like, no. We could at the, listen. We could talk about it for five minutes and then just put it right on the title of this alongside the other one. Boom. So yeah, what were your thoughts about poltergeist? What was the last time that you you saw this movie versus just seeing it now again? And I don't think you and I had. Maybe we had seen it together. Maybe early on, like when we were renting tapes from Howard Hughes. I feel like you and I say that about a lot of. We yeah. we went through a lot of movies well, in I, college years. And I think there was at least two Halloweens in college where we were just like, rather than going to do anything, we were just like, let's go get like eight videos and that's yeah. just... Because we, you and I were both kind of not... Yeah. We hadn't... There was a lot of movies that we hadn't both seen, which yeah. was weird. So we had to... We just got a bunch of things that you hadn't seen or I hadn't seen. Yeah. I remember watching Poltergeist as a younger child. Mm-hmm. And sh- definitely shouldn't have. And it's almost less that I remember watching it as a younger child and more going, oh, that's why I was scared shitless of X, Y, and Z. Because right. that movie is scary when you're a kid because it, it does prey on, like, kid fears. Right, yeah. Um, D- like, the the fact that, like, just calling out for your parents when you're scared at night. 
Like, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Something looking fucking spooky outside the window. Your tree, yeah, that's yeah. like, uh, like, yeah. On your imagination, just playing crazy. And then, uh, yeah, and then, again, this is kind of the the OG of, because uh, you and I always talk about, like, uh, evil Samara climbing out of the TV in the ring, but this is, yes. like, the OG, like, scary t- t- TV, TV yeah. causes uh, scary yeah. things. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I think I saw it when I was younger and was, I remember being scared by it when I originally saw it, um, and then... Yeah, maybe when we saw it again, thought it was freaky, you know, still. This time I was, I don't know, it wasn't, I think some of the technology, some of the datedness of, like, the animated ghosts is a little bit uh, deflating, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, once you see it, you're like, that is not scary. No, and um, even, like, the, so when they open the door to the bedroom and everything's kind of floating around, Mm -hmm. I thought that was, like, I kind of laughed this time. I was like, oh, that's funny. I don't know why. It's just kind of one of those things. But then again, like, the ghoul that comes down the stairs later is pretty... I mean, for 82, it was pretty pretty yeah. impressive, pretty scary. The scene with the clown in the in the kids' room in the oh, chair. Oh, yeah. The clown. And so that's the funny thing is that we, you and I have both never seen any sequel to Poltergeist, which there's been a few. Yeah. And they, made it, they remade it with, like, Sam Rockwell not even that long ago, and neither of us were like, eh, I don't want to see him watch that. Yeah. Why would you make these kinds of movies? I don't that's know, but fine. I just remember when that Poltergeist remake came out, it was like the poster was just that clown. And this was, like, before It too which it i mean it was obviously a very popular book and obviously it's iconic but like it seemed like it was i, I don't know why creepy clown i mean oh, creepy clowns well, are always creepy what's I guess, scary people, about the but... clown and poltergeist is the clown is not alive the clown is no. is nothing the clown is just there and it gets manipulated by you know yeah. the poltergeist and then of course um no, I now so it's uh, it's famously it's directed by Toby Hooper but everybody likes to claim it's Steven Spielberg's movie. He did write the screenplay, but there's all these stories about well he directed this or he was on the set and Steven Spielberg and it's just a product of I honestly I've I think it's kind of shitty um <laughs> just because it's just like well, how come this? From how come this movie can't? I mean, I know it's his screenplay, and that's fine. But there was still this other director, and Toby Hooper like made horror movies. Like he's not like he's a guy that's known for this kind of thing. So I, I don't get why there's this uh, fascination with stripping it away from him or whatever. But because um, I don't even know, I, we were looking at stuff. I don't think we really found anything that like suggested that they were clashing necessarily. Just <laughs> that he was involved with the story and. Whatever. And we saw some maybe like behind the scene footages where footage where he was there and kind of helping build up scenes and stuff. But yeah, I you know it, it's the asset of having Spielberg involved, I guess, which I yeah. think is you know he's produced so many things, and if he guess he shows up on set, use him right. But yeah, I don't know. It's always odd that that's kind of like regarded as this. Uh, I mean, it is a screenplay, and we'll talk about this kind of this idea in our main feature here because The Nightmare Before Christmas is very well known as a Tim Burton movie. Which he wrote the story and created the characters, but it's not really his movie. So uh, we can talk about that more. But uh, the Poltergeist, I mean, it still has a. Uh, it, while I didn't find it particularly scary, there's great sequences in it still. I think, and it's very nostalgic. What they're mm-hmm. wearing, the furniture, the the even though it's a brand new subdivision, it just it feels nostalgic because it's like that looks like the place where I grew up. Yeah, it's a the haunted beds house. Look movie. like and that the was beds. The, that was the idea. The haunted house. It's a haunted house movie and just like a normal house. It's not a creepy house by yeah. any means, right? Yeah. But it, if you go back and watch, it, it's like, oh, that's very much eighties, nineties, like carpet. Oh yeah. TV, <laughs> TV stand, uh, head headboard, mm-hmm. the bed, just like simple things that are like, oh man, like looks so dated. I yeah. love it. It's great. And then um, I think yeah, I think the last thirty minutes when the psychic uh, lady comes in. And all of, and then of course just like the big climax of like they think they've gotten rid of it and then of course like all the skeletons and stuff. It's rise pretty up. silly at that point. It's silly, but I love it. It's just so much fun and it just goes for broke. And you know, like mom falls in the pool and there's these skeletons that just bubble floating up, floating up. Oh my god! And it's just all practical stuff and it's just popping up everywhere. I just that's what I remember about yeah. Poltergeist, and it still just kind of delivers the goods. Yeah, it's a good movie. So I mean, it's enjoyable. Again, it, it it's, it's dated. It's dated, and I think horror stuff suffers maybe. When, there's, when it's effects-driven stuff like that, horror is where you're going to really break the... 
That's that's the risk, right? The best, uh, yeah, the best looking stuff was like in the pool with the real bodies, not just trying to do some digital ghost. Which thing. wasn't it was I mean it was animation. Yeah, not the to... like the the white one that was coming out. It's of the animation. Pool. It wasn't like CGI. I don't know CGI. It was like half see through. I know, but that's it's a it's a practical effect they were able to do that with. Well, it so. It's kind of like how you, they made like Mary Poppins. You know, like they have the cartoons and the oh, I yeah, see. Kind of the same concept there. You didn't like it. So. Poltergeist. We didn't do a whole episode, but I mean, it was something we watched. Yep. Anyway. The spookiest movie you made me watch recently was The Fucking Invisible Man. So we watched it on Halloween night, because I had had seen it, but you did not, and I got the Blu-ray, and I was, yeah, I don't know. We just never. We, said, we were always watching wanting, something else, and, and I kind of wanted wanting me to watch it because I know while. you. I knew you would. I, I knew it would be your jam, even though it would like put you on the edge of your seat. And I mm-hmm. thought Halloween night is perfect. The kids went to bed, mm-hmm. so we turned it on, and yeah, what did you think of this little man? Lights. I thought the first forty-five minutes or whatever was fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I love Elizabeth Moss. She's great in it. She's so believable. You're just like, immediately from the first second, you're like, I'm with her. Go. Get out. I mean, and, and I don't want to, like, spoil anything if people haven't seen The Invisible Man, but it's definitely set in, like, a real world. Yes. And, like, based on, like, a, a you know women who've been in these relationships, and mm-hmm. it's very believable and terrifying. Yeah, the the premise change here, and it's 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 a very simple thing. A couple simple things that I think this does that kind of just elevates the whole thing. The first ten minutes is the sequence of Elizabeth Moss's character escaping an abusive relationship. No supernatural thing, no invisible man. Her partner is a psychopath, essentially, and she's trying to get out of the house. He's rich, and it's a compound, and it's tense as shit, right? It's got um, cameras everywhere, right. alarms, gates. She's got to, like, get out. So that's, you know, intense. And then it, it shifts into this, like... For a few minutes, a story of someone who's got PTSD, who has been victimized by someone, and then when it starts getting crazy, the whole notion of, like, this concept of believing women's story, you know, tales of abuse kind of filters into this, too, mm-hmm. because she's beginning to see things that no one else is seeing, and no one else can... She can't prove that something's happening, and he's he's manipulating her yeah, it's to like seem crazy. To yeah, to an extreme. So I mean, just by kind of like adding that element and just kind of really focusing on Elizabeth Moss's character, it just and having an actress of her caliber, right, yeah. just elevates the material right off there. And then it, I mean, it's it's intense and scary for a while. Yes, and it's brilliantly made because I mean, it's even just like. Uh, and it's, I, we have subtitles on every time we watch things because of our kids being asleep in the house and we have to be kind of quiet. So there's even things in it that you didn't, I didn't notice the first time I watched it just because I, we had the subtitles on and like there's creaking of the steps and stuff like, because there's, the camera will linger on an open empty space. And you're like, what, what am I fucking looking at? And it, Wh- it is, what is happening in the kitchen? And here? it's intense. <laughs> and it just makes you feel anxious, even though there's nothing on screen and it's an invisible man. Nothing is going to just appear usually, no. right? And so you're just kind of waiting for something terrible to happen or, or not. Yeah. And you feel like what she feels like. You just feel like you are being watched. There's a blur effect that I noticed more this time. Clearly when like this invisible man is like crossing the path of the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Um, and then. I mean, to the point where you were like, let's turn the lights back on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, turn the fucking lights on. It was freaking me out. But I, what I love about it is that, it, I mean, it almost, for the, for an hour, it's, a, it's almost exhausting. You're just like, oh my yes. God, this is, like, this is, this is a lot. And I, I just, I give the movie so much credit for shifting gears. Like, it yeah. reaches a point where it just turns into something else completely. And you like, there's a scene. I'm not going to talk about the scene, but, it changes the movie. You're just like, well, how, what are we going to do now? Like, you can't do this like, now. Like, oh shit, this got real. Yeah, we can't, the, the same thing can't happen anymore. And so then it changes into something else and it changes into a different kind of thriller. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that shift. And so, and yes, it delivers. the scary part's over, but it needed to be because I don't think you could have milked it anymore yeah. without, like, feeling repetitive. Yeah. And so I, I just, I really appreciate, it's Lee, uh, oh, I can't remember, what did I say his name is? I'm sorry. Uh, it's a guy who made Upgrade, and he worked with uh, James Wan on, I don't know, like Saw and all these others. So he's got this good uh, background. Lee Wanell Manuel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're close. I remember that. 
it's yeah i i'm just so impressed by this yeah i would um so i saw it early in the year before uh covid and oh he wrote it too wrote and directed and i i'm glad i rewatched it because i think it is like in a weird year where not a lot of like mainstream success movies are going to be like on lists of great you know best movies of the year just because most of the movies that we've had this year have been kind of smaller because most of the big movies have been moved this is like a mainstream movie that was a hit. That's actually it made great. 134 million bucks. Deser- no, it deserves to. I think it deserves to be remembered. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. It's it's really good. I'm glad that you. I knew you were gonna like it. I knew it was gonna be your jam, and you would be anxious watching it. Yeah, and it would bother you. I was very anxious. It would bother you, but that you would like it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen it and you get a chance to rent it or watch it. Definitely do the yeah, Invisible you just Man it. from 2020. I think it's on like HBO Max now too. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's all I got for that. Unless there was another thing I told you that we should talk about. Nope, that's it. Great. BKTV. It's the story of Jack, the Great Pumpkin King, and four cool new watches at Burger King. To get a watch for a buck ninety nine from the everyday value menu, order each time. New lower prices on food that's delicious, and see Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Four watches to choose from, isn't that fine? Each one is different for one ninety nine. Watches from Burger King, just one more case of everyday value. I love this place. I wish I had gotten those watches. Oh, those watches. So that, cool. That brings me, like, so I didn't get the watches from Burger King, but it reminds me of just, like, a couple years later, uh, when Toy Story came out, Burger King had, they had Happy Meal toys, but they also had, like, for $1.99, you could get, like, a, a bigger plush of Woody. It was, like, a little thing, but it, and you could squeeze it, and it would, like, have a phrase. It had a, there was a Buzz Lightyear, there was a Woody, and then they had an RC car to go with it. Wow. And you had to buy... All, you had to buy them separately. It was like $1.99, $2.99. But they didn't have them all at once. You had mm-hmm. to like go back, right? So I remember that from Burger King. And then I also remember, obviously, uh, Batman Forever uh, glasses at McDonald's that were like $1.99. Mm-hmm. Still got a couple of those kicking around, probably. <laughs> and then um, the Lost World Jurassic Park, when that came out in 97, Burger King had watches again. And it was like uh, four different designs. There was like a holographic eye. Oh my god! And there was a Stegosaurus one because that was my. I was super psyched about that. I got all four of those. And um, I don't know. They kept doing that stuff. The extra promos. Will uh, when Wild Wild West came out in 1999, they had uh, the the like Jim West sunglasses for a dollar ninety nine. There's like nice. these tiny ass little sunglasses. Oh my god! Yep, got those too before I saw that movie and realized that was maybe not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta do that movie. That's a perfect uh, movie for this podcast. You're hilarious. Wow, okay. wow, West. Hi, stats. We are talking about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, came out on October 29th, nineteen ninety three. Mm hmm. I've got I've got thoughts about that. I know you do. Yeah. It is rated PG. Mm-hmm. It's an hour and sixteen minutes. Very short. That's very short. Yeah, it gets in, gets out. I didn't realize it was that short. Well, we split it. Well, yeah. That makes sense. Why I missed so much of it this morning when we finished watching it. <laughs> Didn't, there's not much to miss because we got through the first 50 minutes and then there was only 25 minutes left we turned we turned it on for our kids last night at halloween we had done a bunch of stuff and then we decided like to give them a little halloween thing but it was getting late so we said like we'll watch half of it and finish it in the morning yeah. so we watched half and then we turned on the rest this morning um as you said it's often referred to as tim burton's nightmare before christmas because mm-hmm. he was the writer he uh, he wrote the story and he yeah, came and up. He characters. wrote a he wrote a poem about this, I guess, and then he came up with the characters. But then there was another screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. And Henry Selleck. Yeah, is the director. Yep, Henry Selleck is the director. Uh huh. And he's an animator. He would go on to make Coraline, which is really good. And he does. He's done other work. I think he even worked on like The Life Aquatic, doing some of the animation on that. And what? Yeah. So he's a you know well known. The estimated budget was eighteen million. Mm hmm. Opening weekend, it made a hundred and ninety-one thousand. Oh, I was like, "What happened?" Okay, that must have been a limited. Deal. Yeah, grossed in the U.S. seventy-seven million, worldwide ninety-one million. Yeah, so and I, I actually looked at those stats a little bit. Um, it was a modest hit when it came out, but it a lot of that money right there. I think it only made fifty million dollars when it came out, and then a re-release, maybe in three D in the two thousands, brought it up a little bit more to that ninety million dollar mark. Ah, uh, that makes because sense. this came became a cult favorite among lots of people yeah it did so the nightmare before christmas uh we did not write a what you remember because this was kind of like an impromptu right last minute thing because here's the thing i never know and this is why this is our episode after halloween 
I always struggle with when to turn this movie on. When do you watch The Nightmare Before Christmas? Right, because it is Halloween characters. It starts with Halloween. It's in Halloween land. This is Halloween as your first song. Yep. They've just had Halloween, so that's great. But then it's the movie is about the run-up to Christmas, and it climaxes on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird combination of, like, when do you watch this? And I struggle because I'm just like, it's a Halloween movie, right? But then it feels weird to be thinking about Christmas on Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to me that we watched this. We actually figured it out. We cracked it. We cracked the code. You watch the first little bit on Halloween night. Mm -hmm. And then... Before they kidnap Santa Claus. I mean, ideally, you could just stop after, like, the the first first 20 minutes or whatever. And before he he goes to Christmas land and things sings What's This. Before that, you could stop it and then play it the next day or a little bit into November. Yeah. Because then you're in that lead-up. Because here's the problem. You don't want to start the Christmas stuff too early, I feel. Well, you know, we don't want to, like... Put off or offend any listeners because there are people who feel strongly about when to start Christmas. They do? Well, what do you mean? I mean, I think in 2020, mm-hmm. the folks that like to start Christmas before Thanksgiving are like, fucking let's do it now. Well, and I get that. Listen, 2020, all bets are off, right? <laughs> if you like, want to celebrate. November 1st, we're putting our shit up. You want to celebrate. I saw people putting their Christmas tree up in like September. I, You know what? It's fine. <laughs> this has been a shit year. Whatever. Totally fine. I gotta focus on some hope and joy. But in general, to me, and this is personal, people can do whatever they want. I just know that, like, the retail stores and the commercials for Christmas start, like, November 1st, sometimes earlier, right? Yeah, for sure. I, it's hard for me. I need a little, it was weird because it did snow here, like, a week and a half before Halloween, and that threw me off a little bit, and I was like, oh, I'm in the mood for festiveness, and then I was like, oh, no, we still have Halloween to do first. Yeah. Um... But I need a little bit of a little... I can't ramp up right away. My birthday's in November. Right. That's the other thing. Don't be fucking with November, okay? I like to kind of... Right, if it, like, right the day after your birthday, I'm ready to go for yeah. Christmas type stuff. Yeah. But, but before um, but really, that... In, I mean, Thanksgiving is a, is a f- fine holiday. Yes, but it's not... There's yeah, The turkey's not as interesting as all the things it's we get It's not like fun activity, no. Christmassy stuff. Although just, this year we're going to have to get creative and make some fun Thanksgiving-y things, but... Why? We, ne- we never do... Not food-wise, I mean just fun activities for the kids. Well, how is... Okay, devil's advocate. How is Thanksgiving this year going to be much different? Not much. I don't know. Maybe we'll play, like, pin the tail on the turkey or some shit. Okay, I, don't know. I know, but, like, normally you don't do much for Thanksgiving. Well, the kids we have too many usually children. have like a have a school party, and they don't get school parties. So, uh, well, we don't get. I mean, we don't. We're not. We don't go anywhere on Thanksgiving anyway. If at least haven't for a while. We have too many kids. It's hard for us to to travel. And now COVID During just is like fucking def- winter. Yeah. Now we really don't want to go anywhere. So anyway, Nightmare Before Christmas. We right need to watch it. I think that early November is the is the jam, and I think that the Disney knew it all along. They put it out on October 29th. Yeah. That's a weird release date if you think about it, because yeah. it's, yes, you could go see it on the weekend of Halloween, mm-hmm. but, like, a lot of people aren't. Like, that's, they're going to be busy. They already got plans. Yeah, they already got shit they got to go. Yeah, on opening weekend. Well, right. I don't, well, yeah, you said the number was weird. I don't know what yeah. that's about. I don't know if that was just a sneak preview or if the numbers are wrong on the Wikipedia. That's unusual, but... Yeah, I think that Disney kind of knew. It's like, yeah, it's a Halloween movie, but, you know, it's not quite a Christmas movie. <laughs> what is this voice you're doing? And so they put it out. Um, I like it. Now, do you have... We have, we didn't write down what you remember. What do you I remember about... I what I remember. Oh, you did? I put, what do you remember? Nightmare Before Christmas is such a visual treat that it is absolutely unforgettable. Okay. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I remember loving the music and the look of the movie just drawing me in. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know... It was a Tim Burton movie for me in the way that it was like that. It's just that dark style and the in the the hauntingness of it. I just loved it. This is you know hot off of Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. um, Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. Batman, Batman Returns. Had already been. I cared less out. about those, but yeah, I know. But it was like this was this was in the heat of his peak of his popularity. Probably yeah. When I think of Tim Burton and right. in his spookiness that I love, yeah, this falls into that category. And so that was the thing. Now I remember, I remember seeing it, if not opening day, around the time that it had come out, and I remember my mom being like not excited about letting me go to this. Oh. 
Well, you weren't that old. You were like 10. Like, that's Marion's age. Nine. And here's the thing, though. I remember that's the same year of Jurassic Park. And I we went to Jurassic Park in the summer earlier that year. Yeah. And they were fine because my parents wanted to see Jurassic Park, you see. Well, yeah. Your parents are dumb. They couldn't get. They're like, we can't leave him. He wants to see the dinosaur movie. He'll never shut up about it. He gets his shit scared out of him. Oh, well. And I remember, like, you know, the first time I saw Jurassic Park, I was like, that shit's scary, right? And then, of course, I saw like five times that summer. But, um... Yeah, I remember her just, and I think it's because we played it at the beginning of this episode. The TV commercial and the trailer always like either ended with or highlighted the part where this kid opens up a present and there's a shrunken head in it, mm-hmm. and it's just like that's pretty pretty out there. That's mm-hmm. pretty morbid for like a quote unquote kids movie. And I remember that there was a little bit of heat with this movie coming out. People were there was some up in armsness about it. Yeah, I would say that even Roger Ebert in our what would Roger say, say? Um, segment. First off, what's your <laughs> guess of how many stars he gave it? Three stars. Three and a half. Okay, good. So he gave it three Makes and a half. Makes me feel a little better. He talks highly of it, talking mostly the similar stuff, great music, great visuals. Right. All that's very good. But at the vent, very end, just to touch on what you were saying, the, the, is it okay for kids to see? He has, like, in all bolds, parental advisory. The movie is rated PG, maybe because some of the Halloween creatures might be a tad scary for smaller children. But this is the kind of movie older kids will eat up. It has the kind of offbeat, subversive energy that tells them wonderful things are likely to happen. As an adult who was not particularly scared by the abduction of Santa, somehow I knew things would turn out all right, I found the movie a feast for the eyes and the imagination. Yeah. But yeah, it's not a kid's movie. It, I mean, a it is. A little kid's movie. We, we watch, well, we, our three-year-old and our five-year-old watch it, and they seem to really enjoy it, so. Well, I think we've exposed our kids yeah. to too much violence. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> They're about. perfectly fine. It's not a, I don't think, it's not a violent movie. It's just, it, the, the, there is, uh. Some, there were a couple times where I was looking at you, and I was like, oh, God, should our three-year-old definitely not be looking it's at not, this? It's not so much violence, it's just kind of like characters that have had, like, gross or, violent things that have happened. Like, there's an axe sticking out of someone's head, and uh, the shrunken... There's not a, like, violent axe. The Sally doll falls apart, the rips opening apart. scene where they go through all the characters, yeah. there's a few, like, spooky parts. It's yeah. It's spooky. It is spooky, and it, and the lyrics of the songs are very much, like, very morbid and stuff yeah. like that, but it, it it's... Yes. And I listen, I know that there... I knew it was a thing back then, because I know it now when I've done occasional... Uh, articles or reviews of things that are horror films in a in a newspaper setting and I still in 2020 get emails from people who are like you should write about such ungodly things <laughs> I so I just know that there were people back in, in 1993 who were upset about like children seeing this um did I tell you that Marion our, our nine-year-old came up and told me she had some nightmares last night nice nice <laughs> about monsters well, we had, we did several things that could have, uh, <laughs> could have sparked that. But that's part of it, right? That's part of Halloween. That's part of Halloween. If yeah. you're not fucking having nightmares about monsters, your, your parents did something wrong. Well, I think the point is, is that what I would say the takeaway of all, like, we've tried to watch a few different things in the last week with our kids, mm-hmm. uh, including maybe a future episode. Uh, but this, this held their, they, they, all four of them really liked this. That's like, they true. sat and watched yeah. it, and they really enjoyed it, and they liked the music, and they liked the story. Because frequently our kids will just patter, pitter-patter off. And, yeah, and I think our, like, our our seven-year-old son, I think this is, who's someone who's, like, into, like, zombies in Minecraft, he, this yeah. was his jam right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of exciting to see, like, they know it's pretend, like, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's not... Stop motion. It's not it's a animated. real thing, it's animation. We kind of, our oldest, of course, was the one that was most worried about it. Yeah. I was like, it's animated, it's fine, it's just characters, and all the Halloween characters are not, with the exception of Oogie Boogie, they are all, like, yes, they are scary looking and they're scary creatures, but they're not bad people. They're just, yeah. like, they live in this town and, like, their goal is to scare people, but they're not hurting anybody. Yeah, well, even Jack, who, right, is in the movie playing with his emotions and trying to figure his life out. Yeah. He's got some really scary faces. He does. He's a scary guy. He he's a pumpkin look king. super fucking scary. He's the pumpkin king. It's like, whoa, that's kind of scary. That's his job to scare people. Yeah. That's the deal. It wasn't cartoony, though. It was like, that's scary. No, and so then what I remember, so just putting a, a bow on the, the what I remember, I remember at least going and seeing it then, and then um, I think we rented, like, it was not even a movie. Like, this. my mom must have just been against it, because she, like, 
when it fin- I think it didn't come out on video until like the next, the following October, maybe. Yeah, probably. Like they held it longer, right? Because yeah. that's what they would do for ha- holiday type come movies. Out as quick then. Right. I remember I was like, we should get that because we would get like all those uh, movies. We would oh, get yeah. all the clamshell. Yeah. And she's like, we're not getting that. I was like, why? Did she not enjoy it when you guys went? Maybe. I don't remember that. But here's the thing. She let me rent it. Like, we would go to the rental. We went to the rental shop. We rented it, like, that weekend it came out. I was like, well, why is this the one that you don't want to buy? I thought that was odd. She was okay with renting it, but not that. Because your mom's crazy. Yeah. Um, I just remember also, like, when you're not... So you're nine years old. I don't know about you, because, like, this was, you know, a year after Aladdin. It's a year before... The Lion King, movies that I saw in the theater, movies that I enjoyed in the theater. Oh, totally saw yeah. Lion King in the theater. Like, I was yeah. still, like... Watching little love movies. Love Disney musical movies, right? Mm-hmm. But see, you kind of... When you're at age nine and you're with your buddies, you're going to school, you're not... You know, you like it, they're going to. Don't get me wrong. They saw it, too. They saw Aladdin. They liked Aladdin. But you don't talk about, like, oh, yeah, I saw the... Did you see the new Disney movie, guys? Like, awesome, right? Oh, no. you didn't? What? Not really. You had to kind of be a little bit more like under the radar when it came to liking as a boy. Maybe it was different for for girls. Probably in the nineties. For me, it was like they were like, "We need to talk about cool stuff. We need to talk." It was the same time period where someone like brought their Nirvana cassette tape in. You're like, "I like Nirvana." I was like, "Yeah, that's cool, but yeah, let's we, let's we listen know to you that." Took up. that from your older brother's collection. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool, but like, come on, like, don't act like you're too cool for yeah, school. No, we're singing Disney. Tapes. We're still watching Ninja Turtles. All of all of us, right? Um. But yeah, but The Nightmare Before Christmas, it was like this thing where I was like, I did you guys see that musical from Disney called The Nightmare Before Christmas? It was like, it was actually something that you could it's talk about and edgy. be cool, right? It's edgy. And I just remember that, and I remember, this is like, I think this is an important, for our generation anyway, it was kind of a movie that helped a kid who might be unsure about where their place was in terms of liking things and growing up and mm-hmm. liking kitty things. It was like, you could... You could do a musical. You can like a a movie where people sing. Would they sing? I mean, it's a lot of songs. It's like ten songs. A lot of it's singing. Yeah. And you can like this is cool. You can like this. This is something that you can appreciate, and then it like helps you appreciate that. Oh, I like musicals in general, and I can like these things. Yeah, about... it's not all like princess songs and fluffy fluff. But I mean, and you can like that too. I like that thing. Little Mermaid is probably still like my favorite of all of those yeah, movies, it's right? A, this is a good entry though for people who are who want to be hard. It just made you. It made it feel okay. Like it yeah. just made it feel like you could understand. Like, oh, this is a, this is just the whole thing. Adults can like this. P- adults made these movies for God's mm-hmm. sake, right? So, I just uh, yeah, I liked as a kid. I think it was an important movie. Just kind of like my my of developing my movie taste in general. Even though I never understood when I should watch it. <laughs> I you have made that comment so many times. I'm glad I figured years. it out though. We figured it out, and it was uh, yeah. We just wanted something to watch for the kids or whatever that was going to work. Now, um, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, listen, uh, there's people know the Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yeah, we don't have to like go through it very much. Agreed. I think that's fine, and I think we're too. We I think we 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 went into it loving it. We watched it now. We still love it. There's not a lot of like true that the the concept of this show of our show in general doesn't really cater to it, it love does. fests like this sometimes. It sometimes does because you go back and you watch and you say, "Does it hold up? Do I still love it? Is it still relevant today? Can I watch it with my kids?" Yeah, and so I think we've answered that today. Yes, it's still relevant. Yeah, yes, the, the watch it with your kids. The animation I think looks as good as it always has yeah. to the point where our kids were enthralled. It seemingly just really enjoyed it, the color palette of it as much as they enjoy like a Pixar movie that we watch because they tend I would to say like this 1993 movie holds up look wise a uh, lot better than all the other 1993 movies. Oh yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think that it looks oddly it does look more modern than even the 2D animation ones of that time period. I mean, because it's in such a, a kooky world. Yeah, but it's it's not dated because it doesn't exist in time, kind of almost. It does. It looks really good in that regard, and everything mm-hmm. is really fluid and and yeah, and stop motion so much superior too. Well, it isn't it. it so I was going to talk about this too because both Henry Selick would go on to do uh, like Coraline, which is a really good movie, but like far more advanced technologically, but still has this quality about it. And then Tim Burton actually would go on to direct. Um, 
he did Frank and Weenie, which was kind of a stop motion thing, which was based on an old short he did. And then he also did Corpse Bride. And he was actually like the director of these things. And I would argue that both of those are pretty good. Frank mm-hmm. and Frank and Weenie, both Frank and Weenie and Corpse Bride are pretty good yeah. installments. I don't think the music of Corpse Bride is nearly as good as the music here, but yeah. it's still pretty good. This uh, is Danny Elfman at his best. Yeah. And it, and what I, I, I don't think I ever realized until maybe I've never like decided to look up anything on this movie, but Danny Elfman not only wrote the songs, wrote the score, he's the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it it really works well with um, the voice actor who's... Yeah, it's not super obvious where it's just like, oh, that's definitely some other dude. And you can usually tell that in uh, other it's movies. it's distracting. Yeah, where people well, change. I think now that you know it, you could pay attention and tell, but it's not distracting at all. I think it helps that most of us don't really know what Danny Elfman sounds like. We know him for his scores. We don't yeah. know him for his singing, really. Yeah. So um, do you have a, a, a favorite... Uh, sequence or song in The Nightmare Before Christmas? It's also good. No. Yeah. You don't have one? Uh-uh. Um, What's your favorite? Well, oddly, it's my favorite song has always been the one that I guess is controversial, which oh, I didn't realize. Controversial one? It's Oogie Boogie's song. Oh. Um, Why is it controversial? Tell well, me more. There was an art. I just saw this article. It posted, popped up where Tim Burton was worried about Oogie Boogie um, when Henry Selleck was making it. I guess Henry Selleck kind of push to keep it or keep it or whatever and it's because they were worried about it seeming racist oh. and i mean so i think it's a a a, a black uh actor or an african you know an african-american singer who plays the part and i think henry selleck was basing it on something that it was not racial in any way but i think tim burton was concerned i gotta be honest i don't know if i ever thought about this in that way because I, I think I know the version that would seem racist, I guess, that it would be like more of a character caricature of like an old way of, uh, I, I don't know. To me, it doesn't, it doesn't play that way. And I, I guess I still struggle with what the, what that would be. I could be just a, a dumb white guy though. And I, I, yeah, I guess that's just kind of have to be my answer. Cause I, I still just think the song's really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that you said that, I'm, re- I'm reading the animators were not the only people to complain about Oogie Boogie. Okay. With many viewers feeling that Ken Page's portrayal of the, I'm reading an article off looper.com just okay. to give credit here. Okay. With many viewers feeling that Ken Page's portrayal of the villain verged on a racist. Hmm. Selleck defended the character, insisting that Page modeled his voice performance on Cab Calloway in the old Betty Boop cartoons. I don't know who that is. This argument is supported by the fact that two lines of dialogue are lifted directly from the 1933 Betty Boop cartoon, The Old Man in the Mountain, and composer Danny Elfman has a long history of channeling Calloway as he did in the film Forbidden Zone. I just really like the song, so I'm just like, I, I and I like the I like the voice, I think it sounds good, and um, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I guess I don't know... Uh, I have to claim ignorance on that one. I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I, I'm sorry. But uh, I just like the song. I also really like um, what's this? It's the Christmas part discovery of that. I like. Uh, I like all, I, there's it's all good. There's some songs that are expositional, like they're there to kind of forward the story, and they're not meant to be particularly memorable. But they're still pretty good. And then the actual production, like big songs, I think are really good. Kidnap the Sandy Claus is great. Um, as they're walking through. I didn't realize that What's-Her-Name voiced What's-Her-Name. Well, that was the... So that was the other thing I was going to mention, because we're in the midst of the Schitt's Creek uh, renaissance, right? Because it won several Emmys, and people love it. Netflix has, you know, picked it up, and people seem to watch it's over now, but very popular. But it's Catherine O'Hara is in that, and... I you we've both loved Catherine O'Hara and for so many so much of what she's going done. back to like Beetlejuice and and her comedy days and and all you know early days plus the Christopher Guest movies and Best in Show and all that stuff Waiting for Guffman so we I've always appreciated her but yeah I don't think until I remember her voice being one of the kids the three yeah she is uh... the witch I'm assuming right i i and that, that always stuck out to me is like oh that's Catherine o'hara whereas i don't think i picked it registered to me that she was sally um because she's doing a little bit of a voice that's not like her normal voice and it's you know 30 years ago too so she's it's not what we remember younger. but yeah. i mean this is when she was playing the mom in home alone it's just like I, it's a my i She's talented. She's Very talented. super talented. I like the character a lot. Um, it has that creepy undertone of like her being like this Frankenstein that this uh, mad scientist is like encaptured, and he, it, it, there's some suggestion of some not 
it's some unseemliness, right? But I think it plays away from that, and it, it always kind of makes her a strong character. She's the voice of reason. She's the one that has the conscience in the movie. And I love that about this movie, too, is that our hero is, like, completely wrong. <laughs> like, he makes bad choices, right? <laughs> And yeah, because he he's up. having like a, he's having some, it's almost like a midlife crisis almost. He's feeling like he's bored with uh, being the pumpkin king and he discovers this new thing. And then, of course, he just kind of jacks it up because he's not meant for it. And he learned, has to learn a pretty hard lesson about like your place in the world a little bit and embrace who you are, right? Yeah. And so it's just this weird complex situation where it's like you want to be something different, but you are who you are and you are who you are for a reason and you not necessarily need to be stepping out to do something that's not Stay you. Stay in your lane, Jack. Kind of, yeah. And I just like that that is the the overall message of this. This is not like this... Uh, I mean, he... I mean, when he does, he's pretty... I mean, he does... It's all in a g- gentle way where he says, like, oh, bring Santa Claus here. But, like, yeah. yeah, he asked... He pretty much asked those kids to kidnap him. I think it's something we millennials can relate to, right? We're known for getting tired of our careers and wanting to switch around a bunch. And that's what he's trying to do, but it doesn't work out. He's not, he, that's not the right lane, right? No. That's not he the... He needs to find other ways to find joy in his current lane. So I kind of... I, I just like that that's that's this arc and and the Sally character kind of serves this. She's the only real actualized person in the, the movie. And yet she's the one that's been like created in a lab, (laughs) which is, uh, I think fun. Do you have a, um, favorite, uh, side character or kooky thing? What's like, do you have a favorite element of this that you like? Obviously you do. I do. Yeah. Uh... I have, I have an an old one that I, I've loved from the beginning and still love. And then I have a new one. This is it the dog. Oh, I love zero. The dog. Um, Because it's like a Rudolph-type thing. It's a ghost. It's a cool effect. It's Jack Skellington's dog ends up being... that. This movie has a nice little homage to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, the special, when it's, like, too foggy. It's like the the fog's as thick as, like, I don't think they call it, like, brain matter or something like that. Pretty good. I want to know who's your... is this, because who? My favorite has always been, and it just stems from my love of uh, all things this. It's the little one-eyed mummy boy. Little... (laughs) You're so so specific. He just is like a little mummy that's like all around. He's only like he doesn't have any dialogue. I think he says one thing maybe or sings in part of the song. But I just like him and he's always just toiling around. So that's always been my favorite. But I've also I this new this was my uh, real appreciation of these characters. I loved the little band on the street. Oh yeah. Um. In this one, they're, they're they're usually camped out outside Jack's house, right? Yeah. I just love their morose like songs they're playing yeah. and it, I, I just the I whole that. vibe of it makes me feel like really good it's warm in a cold it's warm in a really like morbid cold way yeah i like that i just that's was my pickup this time i was like i really love those characters but then i like think about more i like oh i love these characters too and i i like the three kids even though they're like they they're like bad because they're following oogie boogie but they're like they're not that bad because they're just like trying to follow directions and they like go and help jack and they're just you know they're evil creatures who are trying to like just live in a society. I don't know. I oh like it. Oh my god, you're so funny. <laughs> yeah. Tim Burton has said uh he's pretty much blocked all uh sequel attempts, which I think is probably smart, right? Yes. It can only go downhill from it can't where do it's at. more than when this. you hit it so hard out of the I mean you But just... what would a sequel even look like? Like, I think he was always commenting, was like, oh, he can't go do Easter or something like that. But I don't think they would ever go that way. I think they would, like, try to do a Christmas-type thing again. But I just don't think yeah. that that would work. I mean, I'm sure you could create some sort of conflict and have the character do something. But... Musicals, I think, are hard for follow-ups as well, too. Because usually if you want a sequel uh, for a musical, it's because people love the music, right? Yeah. It's so hard to, like, follow that up. I mean... You you see that even even Disney has tried with like their straight to video Lion King twos and their Aladdin twos they all have music in them but they're like never like the top tier stuff yep. and they never put their top people on it yeah and I just feel like anything you attempt Frozen two you give I'll give Frozen two this credit it took them several years to figure it out but like imagine if you're the people making Frozen two. Yeah. And you had let it go, and you're just like, "What the fuck are we gonna do? Like, there's nothing we're gonna top, right? Like, like they kind of know they're not gonna be able to top for like, let it go. I think they even try. They made like into the unknown as like the song, right? But like, they also worked really hard, and that's why it took time. Like, 
the other songs in the movie are pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah. it's pretty, like, it's surprising that they were able to do that. I think that's a rarity. I think it's really hard to, like, do a musical sequel without, like, that's the number one thing people are going to remember. Like, oh, the song. And I think people still see Frozen 2 as, like, well, the songs are, it was pretty good, but the songs aren't quite as good as Let It Go or whatever. And it's just like, okay, yeah, but were, were you ever able to, were you ever going to be able to do it? Yeah. I think that's a really good observation. It's Tyler. tough. It's a tough thing to do. Um, man, this movie has really, like, turned into something though because as for something that has like such a uh not a huge box office at the time i mean to this day uh, you're in a room uh, funko has made uh, probably a hundred my ever before christmas pops they're very it's one of their more popular lines if you ever walked into a hot topic anytime in the last 10 years almost like there's a whole freaking side section of both yeah. uh girls women men's a lot of women's clothing with uh nightmare before christmas i've noticed and apparel and jewelry and stuff like that but some men's stuff too um disney disneyland disney world they change over the haunted mansion every year at christmas time to make it more themed toward nightmare before christmas i've never we've never gone during that time but people well purists don't like it i suppose because they love the haunted mansion because of its classicness but they do it every year. Clearly, they like it. I mean, this has been... Like, yeah. how did this happen? I have a coworker who I think um, mistakenly said casually that she likes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And now, for the last 10 years, her in-laws, for every birthday, holiday, Christmas, get her, like, a, a Nightmare Before Christmas-themed She doesn't actually gift. like Nightmare Before Christmas? She likes it, but it's not like she's, like, obsessed with it. That's all she gets now. You know, jack socks, earrings, clothing, candles, homeware. She's like, I've got so much. And she's like, I don't want to be like, oh, that's enough. But I feel like Hot Topic would be out of business without it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, if they didn't have Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, I just don't, I worry that they would be out of business. I think it's just, it's also, that in itself is telling that this visually holds up. Yeah. It's appealing, it's lovable. Well, and it's, it's, so, I mean, like, goth is a a subculture, and it also just caters to, like, a younger demographic, or maybe you're just kind of discovering that world, and maybe that's, like, an entryway, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So... Anyway, I don't know. It's great. It's hard to say much else other than it's great. It's so good. Yeah, it is good. Music's good. Looks mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Scarier three-year-olds. I, he seemed fine. He seemed totally fine. I liked it. Yeah. He was the one when we were doing our uh, uh, treasure hunt in the backyard in the dark for mm-hmm. uh, uh, candy. He uh, was telling me he was pretending to be scared, and he was, mm-hmm. pretend- he was making a game out of it. He's like, oh. There are ghosts out here. I was like, oh, there's ghosts? I was like, yeah, there are ghosts out here. They're scary. They're scary. He said scary, but I corrected him, and then he was like, scary. They're scary. Oh. And then he goes, he heard a dog bark. He's like, oh, the dog is barking. There's a ghost out there. <laughs> but he was just, he was having fun. He wasn't actually scared. So there you go. He likes all that kind of stuff, apparently. Yep. We'll see what memories our kids have of all these movies we're showing them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what are you going to do? Well, it's hard to squeeze these in after hours. We've got to share some of them with them. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was The Nightmare Before Christmas. And lots of other stuff we talked about earlier. And a lot of other stuff that we've been watching. Yeah. All right. Enjoy your movie watching, and we will talk at you another movie. Bye.